Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personalities. Uh, JC is doing a class today, so he's not with us today. I want to remind you, uh, not only are we liberty over security, principle over party, but truth over personality, we are also a teach show and not a talk show. And I want to I say hello to everybody in the chat room. Look at this. We have Indiana present. Oil crashed today. Woohoo. Um, Indiana present. Southwest Florida president, president, <laughs> president, I got president on the mind today. Southwest Florida is present. Virginia is here. Virginia. Southwest Missouri. And there we go. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to know about that. Hello from Massachusetts. I thought today, since we, we do teach shows, that I would talk about some current events, but I would also get into this question that I keep getting inundated with about uh, national emergency and turning over the country to the rule of FEMA and how does that relate constitutionally and all this other stuff. Look at this. We've got East Washington, Liberty State. Yes, Danny, welcome from Liberty State. We have Minnesota, New Mexico, Las Vegas, Illinois, Tennessee. We need some North Carolinians in here. Boy, y'all are, your governor's nuts over there. Plus you got uh, the county in um, Raleigh, what is it, Wake County, Flor uh, Wake County, North Carolina, has said that drive through restaurants, delivery services can continue, but churches can't take up offerings and they can't hand out communion. Now, I don't know if people realize, but not everybody's communion you drink out of the same cup and you eat from the same bread. In our church, we get these nifty little cup things. These nifty little cup things that have a little bit of cup of grape juice on it and a wafer on the top. It's all prepackaged. It's actually more prepackaged than the chicken nuggets that you get when you go through the drive-thru. So for Wake County, North Carolina, to tell people that they cannot have communion but the drive-thrus can stay open and Grubhub and DoorDash can come bring you food? Come on now, people. This is an attack on the church. Hey, Scotland present. I know we're global. Listen to us. We are global. New Mexico. Hey, New Mexico. What county are you in, New Mexico, in, uh, Melinda Ann? I want to know because we've got some really great sheriffs there in New Mexico and they're trying to take a stand and they need more people to back them there. Um, let's see, Colorado, San Antonio, Texas. Woohoo! I was, is that San Antonio, Texas or San Angelo, Texas? Because SA Texas could be either one. I'm just praying that it's San Antonio because I was not a fan of San Angelo. But if you're in San Angelo, that could mean that you're, you're a military friend of ours. California, oh, San Joaquin is back in the house. Thank you for liking my hair, JP. I really appreciate that very much. Okay, so here we go. This is this hit my radar uh, yesterday, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday, but I, I definitely wanted to talk about it today. This is another one of those things that drives me nuts. Our, 
court system, can I get an amen here? Our court system is completely out of control. Ah, North Carolina. See, Corey Shepard says, says the governor's crazy too. See, there you go. It's hard to find a governor these days that isn't crazy. I heard, somebody confirmed this for me. I haven't had time to look it up. South Dakota refused to shut down their state. The governor of South Dakota said, no, we're not doing that. Can somebody confirm that for me? That the governor of South Dakota said, no, we're not doing that? Because uh, if so, the governor of South Dakota is now my favorite governor in, in all of these United States. OKC, Oklahoma, Pottsboro, Texas. All my Texas people. I love Patriots, and you guys are all over the place. Oh, Blue North, you found, you saw the show. How many of you in the chat room watched the Leadership Institute class that I taught this morning? And I'm glad uh, Blue North brought that up because the Leadership Institute class that I taught this morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time will be taught next Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. This Tuesday, this morning, I taught the history of the Constitution. Next Tuesday, 10 a.m., I'm going to be teaching on the right to keep and bear arms by popular demand. I left it to the class this morning to tell me who, what, who it was uh, or what the people wanted to hear overwhelmingly. Now, we had all kinds of people. We had young people, old people, high school, middle school, adults, everybody in this classroom. We had over 700 people watching. And overwhelmingly, I mean, there was lots of different questions, but overwhelmingly, they were uh, telling me that they wanted to class on the right to keep and bear arms. So next Tuesday, 10 a.m., Leadership Institute, you need to go and register online for the Chris Ann Hall classes through the Leadership Institute. Maybe later this, this evening I'll go ahead and put that up there for you. Thank you, Blue North, for telling me South Dakota. I was right about South Dakota. I would love to move to South Dakota, but I've been to South Dakota in the winter. Okay. If you've never been to South Dakota in the winter, don't make plans to move there. I'm just saying. The winter was insane in South Dakota when I was there. I, I, I don't want to, I want to do that. I've, I know I was born and raised in Missouri. We had winter, we had cold. We actually had like 24 below with wind chill and everything, but uh, no, I'm Floridian now. I've got, I've got Florida blood. Uh, maybe it's because I'm an older woman now. <laughs> I just don't like that cold anymore. I discovered that I love snow, but everything that I love about snow happens on the inside of the house when snow is on the outside of the house. So the governor of South Dakota is now officially my favorite governor in these United States for refusing to impose the COVID restrictions. Now, what's crazy about that, guys? Listen to this. You've got an entire state who has refused to impose COVID restrictions. Why aren't we hearing on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News about the bodies lining the streets in South Dakota? Has anybody heard anything about South Dakota? Seriously, I, I, I'm gonna have to, I'm just gonna have to do a little internet search here. South Dakota, COVID. What comes up when you do South Dakota COVID? Let's see. 
I don't know. COVID updates from South Dakota. Oh, my alarm's going off. Sorry about that. Isn't that terrible when the speaker's phone interrupts? Let's see. Uh, there are reports of South Dakota. South Dakota COVID infections are still below 100 as of five hours ago, but one more person has died reported, reported in Minnehaha County. How is it? Oh, here we go. Uh, one day ago, South Dakota has significant drop in new COVID infections. See, isn't that crazy? Crazy. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. How can you how can you even take any of this stuff seriously? Meanwhile, back at my ranch. Meanwhile, back at my ranch in Hillsborough County, Florida. The gov the the uh, emergency planning group, the emergency management group, is trying to hold the entire county captive until they can agree to have mandatory testing. Now, I talked about this yesterday. What's insane is the director of the Florida Department of Health for Hillsborough County gave the first presentation in the meeting, said overwhelmingly the numbers of false positives coming through on the COVID tests globally. There's an overwhelming number of false positives coming in through COVID testing globally. And my county, my county commissioners here in Hillsborough County, Florida, are whacked out trying to force everybody to take a test. Do you know what they want? I think they just want to do that to incre falsely increase the numbers. They, they were at the same meeting I was. They heard the same testimony I did about the false positives. They want false positives so they can justify their tyranny. They have absolutely gone crazy with power. Talk about crazy with power. We're talking about the courtrooms. Now, this comes from WorldNet Daily. Are you ready? An officer is on duty at a legally organized protest and gets injured when someone loses his cool and throws an object. So the policeman can sue the organizer because he should have known something like that was possible according to a federal appeals court. This is the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals to the United States. Let's go ahead and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you guys here. This is how easy this is. Fifth Circuit People are always emailing me and asking me questions. I said, Google it, dude. Just Google it. And, you know, I guess that's supposedly great when your Google works, right? So the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, right here on the Google. <laughs> I'm trying to brag on researching, and now all of a sudden my internet shuts down. How awesome is that? I'm also buffering on YouTube. You know, when you talk about this stuff, maybe it was because I was bragging I was bragging on the South Dakota and about how people aren't shutting it down and I'm bashing my Hillsborough County people because they're a bunch of tyrants. And you you know when you have the internet shutting down churches because of their content and killing their apps, Google killing their apps, you can't help but have some kind of real skepticism. And this is not conspiracy, this is skepticism. Skepticism when you're being limited on the internet. Okay. So, Honorable Priscilla R. Owen is the Chief Judge of the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. 
about the court. Where are general information about the court? Um, hmm. I don't know if I want to do that part. Let's not get into all of this. But anyway, you can go online and find the, the website for the United States Courts of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. And you can see uh, where this is what they're up to. You can even do this thing about the court. Uh, you can learn about the staff attorney, the mediation programs, the court locations and directions. Okay, so the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana. They'll tell you where to go for it right there. Uh, and they'll give you directions if you're coming from Kenner or Metairie. You can come east from New Orleans, and there you go. So what we have, this is just beyond my comprehension, a ruling. Now, you know I didn't say ruling. I'm reading ruling. Courts don't issue rulings. Court issues opinions, right? The Court of Appeals from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has been, uh, let's see, the, the ruling, okay, has been uh, from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, has been appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The court's opinion contends a friend of the court brief by the Rutherford Institute is a threat to the First Amendment's speech rights protection. Okay, so the Rutherford Institute is the one that's fighting this. These guys are hot on the case to preserve your rights. Indiana River County, Florida. Sorry, you, I don't know if you're watching. You saw my, my little head tilt there. Heather Rossi says, Indiana River County, Florida Sheriff Department put kids in jail last night for curfew. They were at the, they were next to their house shooting into the canal bank. What were they shooting? Like BB guns or something? Come on, people. So the Rutherford's Institute says, police have mastered the art of double standard. They don't want to be held accountable for their own misconduct or that of their fellow officers, but they want to throw the book at anyone who peacefully engages in constitutionally protected activities if that person is nearby when a cop gets hurt on the job. This is yet another Machiavellian attempt by the government to prevent Americans from exercising their amendment right, their First Amendment right to peacefully speak truth to power. The Institute's lawyers contend that the decision in Mackeson v. Doe is sure to chill speech rights. Well, of course it will. Incredibly, the lower court reasoned that organizers of a protest should be held responsible for engaging in activity that merely has the potential to involve police or require their presence, thereby exposing them to possible injuries. Now, in this case, the people who were protesting were actually the peaceful protesters. And the guy who's being sued, the peaceful, the guy who organized the protesters, it committed no acts of violence, did not incite or condone violence of any others. How crazy is this? 
This is absolutely insane. You now have police officers who are paid by tax dollars, who have an obligation to protect and to serve, right? That's their obligation. So they have on their cars, protect and serve. They've taken an oath, not just sheriff deputies, but the police officers take an oath too, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the state and the Constitution of their state. The Supreme Court has said over and over and over again that it's the responsibility of the government to protect peaceful protesters from those who are not being peaceful. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see what the Supreme Court does with this case. The Supreme Court, in order to find in favor of this case, the Supreme Court would have to overturn a multitude of their own opinions that require police to be present. Talk about a chilling effect. They require police to be present, but then you can sue. The police officer can sue if somebody else if somebody else injures them. You coming in, JC? All right, woohoo! Surprise, surprise, everybody. JC's popping in with us. You, I don't know if you you saw this. Let's get situated. JC gonna get mic'd up. Everybody surprised? Say everybody say hi to JC. Get mic'd up, man. So this is a story that we're talking about first, JC. Did you see this? The court, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals out of New Orleans, Louisiana says that a police officer can sue a protest, a peaceful protest organizer, if the police officer gets hurt during a peaceful protest. Why, why would you get hurt during a peaceful protest? Well, because somebody didn't like the peaceful protest or somebody in the crowd lost their peacefulness and threw something and it hit the police officer. And now the police and officer organizer? Why would you sue sued the organizer? the organizer. Yeah, sued the organizer because the organizer should have... This is what the court said. I'll read this again so you can hear this. The lower court reasoned that the organizers of a protest should be held responsible for engaging activity that merely has the potential to involve police or require their presence, thereby exposing them to possible injuries. Then what is the purpose of their existence? <laughs> Yay! JC jumps in midstream and hits Why, why the, should we even have them? Swan dives in midstream and hits the breaststroke. <laughs> well, think about that. You've, you've sat through enough of my classes on freedom of speech and the right to peaceably assemble. How many, court, how many Supreme Court opinions have I given that says that the police have to be there? to protect peaceful protesters, right? right? Have to be there to protect peaceful protesters. Well, if the police have to be there to protect peaceful protesters, but then the organizer of the protest is now legally liable for any injuries done to the police officer, that is a chilling effect. Who's gonna wanna organize a protest if now all of a sudden you are held legally liable for what some random person Right. So what if some Antifa person shows up to your peaceful protest and punches some officer in the face? Now the organizer is now liable. Yeah, it's a good way to 
It's a good way to shut down protests, yeah, to tar- isn't it? to target a group. Like, so say you had some conservative group, then I, I, could, I could destroy that conservative group. Some lefty could destroy that group easily. I could bankrupt them just like that because I show up, punch a police officer, and then that group is liable. People like my hair today, JC. Looks good. <laughs> Mine's all crazy. I was outside. Yeah, yeah. How crazy is that? I don't have much hair anyway. Way to chill the peaceful protest. Now, here's the crazy thing. Police officers can't be sued individually when an individual police officer uh, flash bombs the wrong house and kills or injures people. The police officer can't be sued individually, but an organizer of an event, according to the Fifth, uh, the, the Federal Court, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, can be held liable when some random person, not even in their own personal control, actually uh, hurts a, a police officer. Is that not just the height of double standard? Yes. I mean, seriously, where have we gone to? Now this, uh, the Rutherford Institute, JC knows the Rutherford Institute, the Rutherford Institute is taking this all the way to the Supreme Court. So this is gonna be a very interesting thing. The question becomes, will the Supreme Court hear the case or will they do what they've been doing lately and Supreme just simply cop, cop out? Yeah. Are you serious? So this this past this is the higher fellow, court. No, this I is mean, the Fifth Circuit Court. Everybody of agreed with this lower idiocy. Oh, no, no, like no, no, they no, went no, the no, whole no. way up. Yeah. The no, the lower court was appealed to the federal court. The federal court. So the lower court held. Um, well, you know what? I don't know the I don't know the lower courts. Anyway. Uh, the federal court took the appeal, whether it was an appeal by Rutherford or by the police officer, I'm not sure. But the lower court, uh, the, the, the federal court took the appeal, so the next stop is the Supreme Court. I hope that wasn't confusing the way I just stuttered. No, I'm just saying it should have stopped sooner. I mean, how, how does this keep going? Because you have it's the ridiculous. right to an appeal, right? No, I understand that. Who, who's the original... Like, which way is it, it going? Well, the police officer originally filed the lawsuit in the lower court. I don't have the information on the lower court's opinion. And so, All I know is that somebody appealed the lower court position and brought it to the, the federal circuit court. So, so it skipped. So it's got to be the... It's, well, but it skips it skips the, the Supreme Court of the state because, remember, it's a, a, a First Amendment issue. So it goes straight to federal court. Wow. Yeah. See, this is why, um, this is why we um, should not be bypassing our state courts for these "quote unquote" First Amendment issues. Yeah, I don't. Hmm. It's hard to see that. It's hard to see that standing in this current Supreme Court. But yeah, but I've seen the Supreme Court just punt. You know, we're not going to take this case. So, uh, you know, that that would completely transform. That's what, exactly what I said. That would be decades of Supreme Court opinions just flushed down the toilet. Flushed down the toilet, and they can flush it two ways. They can flush it by refusing to even hear the case, or they can flush it by finding in favor of the officer. But you know, I, I I'm I'm hoping. Well, remember, my guess is it will be the so-called liberal justices plus Neil Gorsuch 
on the side of liberty. Yeah. It will yeah. be the conservative justices. I just say Thomas is not going to find including certainly Thomas. A police officer, but no. this is going to no, put Thomas him in could, a situation. If you just say so. a police officer is involved, like he could just mail in his decision. Tom Thomas doesn't even <laughs> need to come to the court. He's going to side with the officer no matter what. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like know. Like this man. officer's, you know, kidnapped mm -hmm. a couple four-year-olds, put them in a blender and made a cake out of them. Thomas be like, right on. That's his right to do that. We got to keep America safe. Yeah, I don't know. This might be a difficult one for Thomas. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's usually pretty First Amendment sound. So we'll see. So JC yeah, is... Yes, like matter, antimatter. Yeah. First Amendment police officer. Like yeah, he's not he, going to know might, what to do. He might, he might have a heart attack on the might, bench. Yeah, don't say that. Don't say that. That's not... I'm not saying I want him to. Yeah, but. yeah, but you know. It's like a massive yeah. conflict for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, now we have uh, the, our headline for today's show is National Emergency and FEMA. And JC doesn't spend a whole lot of time on social media, so I don't know if he's been seeing this. But today's m more of a teach show kind of thing that I, that I was going to do. And uh, what I'm hearing, JC, are all these people saying... Uh, because there's been a declaration of emergency, right, that now the President of the United States does not hold power, that FEMA holds power, okay? So what I thought I'd do is, is use this as a teaching moment, right? So we've got to remember how the structure of the government works. And we have several false premises in this statement that when the president declares a national emergency that now he abdicates power to FEMA. Now I made three statements there JC. When the president declares national national emergency, he abdicate power, he abdicates power and FEMA is now the controlling body for the for our federal government. Every okay. single one of those statements is constitutionally at odds with is at odds with the Constitution. Every single one of them. First, the President of the United States does not have a constitutional authority to declare a national emergency. That is an invention by Congress created by the National Emergency Act that is completely unconstitutional. And according to the Constitution, Article 6, Clause 2, the acts of Congress that are not made in pursuance to the Constitution are null and void. That the president, statement number two, the president abdicates his power to FEMA. Mm -hmm. All right. First, there's two problems with that. Okay. Two problems. Number one, the power that you're referring to, the president doesn't actually possess constitutionally to begin with. Look at Article 2 of the Constitution. Article 2 of the Constitution enumerates specifically the power that the President has. And it is not in the power of the President to declare a national emergency or to act like a king in an emergency. Number two, the President cannot abdicate his power to anyone. He can just resign. He can resign. But he cannot transfer his power around. That would require an amendment to the Constitution, which can only happen by following Article 5 of the Constitution. 
Statement number three. By can't, you mean he's not authorized to do so. Yes, do thank so. you. He's not constitutionally authorized to do so, right? He can, but it's illegal. And by the terms of the Constitution itself is an unlawful act, null and void. Statement number three. FEMA then controls the federal government. Now, there's problems with that in multitudes, right? First off, FEMA doesn't constitutionally exist. There is no power delegated to the federal government to engage in, what does FEMA even stand for? Federal, federal Emergency, Emergency Management, Management Agency. Agency, okay. Federal Emergency Management Agency. There is no constitutional authority for a Federal Emergency Management Agency to exist with authority in the states. Now, you can have a Federal Emergency Management uh, Agency for Washington, D.C. You know, they're, they're 10 miles square. You could have a Federal Emergency Management Agency for the territories of the United States. But the Federal Emergency Management Agency has no constitutional authority for the internal operations and governance of the state. Period. It just doesn't exist, constitutionally speaking. And all the money we spend on FEMA is also unconstitutional, not just simply by the mere existence of FEMA, but what they're spending money on. You can read the Constitution four times and, and, and 65 times on Sunday with a microscope, a magnifying glass, and an internet search engine. You will never find authority delegated to the federal government to hand money to the states. It does not constitutionally exist. So, the Constitution of our United States defines the powers for three branches of government. Each branch is specifically delegated their powers. Article 1, legislative branch. Article 2, the uh, executive branch. And Article 3, the judicial branch. Now, I wanted, I wanted to read something. The Tenth Amendment enshrines that any power not delegated through the Constitution remains in the hands of the states. Now, this is the opposite of Teddy Roosevelt's stewardship doctrine that says the feds can do whatever they want as long as the Constitution doesn't say they can't. That's where this comes from. Have you heard that before? This, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's stewardship doctrine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Teddy Roosevelt, the Republican president who expanded federal power beyond its belief at his time, created this thing called the stewardship doctrine that says the feds can do whatever they want as long as the Constitution says they can't do it. Uh, it doesn't say they can't do it. So because the Constitution doesn't say they can't have a federal emergency management agency, under the stewardship doctrine, and Teddy Roosevelt says, okay, well, they didn't tell us we can't. So we can. Right. Right? So this, this is the that's, the, that's the federal supremacist's happy place. Because that gives unlimited power. Yeah. If the Constitution does not specifically say we can't do it, then we're allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. Which enumerated the, the, the 
uh, idea of enumerated powers is you can only do what we said you can do, right? Mm -hmm. Enumerated powers is here is a list of things in the Constitution you're authorized to do. That's it. If it's not listed, you can't do it. Not right. if it's not listed, you can do it. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Well, what's interesting is, well, our founders made that very clear, that if it's not delegated, it's not your authority. As a matter of fact, Alexander Hamilton said in Federalist 78 or 84, I can't remember which one, um, that uh, why would we make a list if a general power was assumed? Mm -hmm. And that's what the stewardship doctrine does. It assumes a general power absent restriction. Right. So Teddy Roosevelt's Secretary of War, William Taft, uh, he, he gave the framers positions pretty pretty clearly he said a specific grant must either be a, a specific grant must either excuse me a specific grant must be either in the federal constitution or an act of congress passed in pursuance thereof there is no undefined residuum of power which the federal government can exercise because it seems to be in the public interest but isn't that exactly what we do today and it's the Supreme Court's compelling governmental interest thing that expands on this whole stewardship doctrine that the compelling, just for those of you who are not uh, longtime listeners, the compelling governmental interest doctrine says that if the government can provide a good enough excuse to the courts, then the courts will authorize the federal government to, to uh, circumvent, to overcome any of our rights. So our Bill of Rights is garbage if the federal government can give the, the, the courts a good enough excuse. Which is most often like public safety and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. We, right. we, we have to do this to keep people safe, to keep people alive, to fight this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Instead of taking the right path of doing the right thing, then you, you throw out that necessity thing. Which would be, we're not authorized to do this. We have to defer to the state. Right. It's the state's job exactly. to do these things. The fact that they have to go through such acrobatics to show that you're in danger, that it's necessary for us to do this. If we don't do this, everybody's going to die. Proves, ought to prove, they don't have the, the constitutional authority to do it. Because if they had the constitutional authority to do it, it would just be simply, well, Article uh, Article this, section this, says we can do this, so we're going to do it. But now they have to engage in all this propaganda stuff yeah. about necessity and, and dangerous and emergency. we got to create. The fact that we have to create a National Emergency Act proves that the authority does not exist through the Constitution. William Pitt the Younger said, Necessity is the plea for every infringement of human freedom. It is the argument of tyrants, and it is the, the, the creed of slaves. So the bottom line is, the question is, can the president abdicate his power to FEMA? No. Anytime you ask the question, can the president do such and such? Is he authorized to do? Is he authorized to do this? Anytime you ask that question, the only place you have to go is Article 2 of the Constitution. Because if it's not in Article 2 of the Constitution, 
then that's it. Does Congress have the authority to create a National Emergency Act? The only place you have to go is Article 1 of the Constitution, where the power is delegated to. Now listen to what, uh, what James Madison wrote in Federalist 47. So what we have now is the National Emergency Act actually authorizes the President of the United States to create laws through executive order. So now you have laws created by the executive branch outside the legislative branch. You have the uh, executive branch creating situations where you are, this executive branch is now the judge, jury, and uh, the judge and jury and sentencer, right? When you have the regulatory agencies and all of this stuff under national emergency. Madison said there can be no liberty where the legislative and executive powers are united in the same person or body of magistrates. When the National Emergency Act unconstitutionally authorizes the President of the United States to create rules and laws, they are engaging in an activity that destroys liberty. And that's the words of our founders. And so I hope that people understand. I can't answer the question, is FEMA in control? Because that's your can or can't question, right? Is FEMA lawfully in control? FEMA can never lawfully be in control. Because the President of the United States cannot lawfully, constitutionally, being the Constitution being the supreme law of the land, the, the, the President cannot lawfully declare a national emergency. The President cannot lawfully abdicate his power. And Congress cannot lawfully create a national emergency act. All of this fails. The question becomes then, why are we, why are we here? Why are we here? It seems an absurd assertion that the president has abdicated his, his position to FEMA. You seriously think this president would turn over the, the, the operation of the government to FEMA? Why would he do that? If that's the case, how did that occur? What are, what are, what are these people suggesting? The president's been drugged. He, he, that's not him. That's a clone. I mean, what, what are we talking about? The, the Donald Trump that came to the office of the presidency uh, several years ago is not a person I would think is going to say, okay, FEMA, you guys have the government now. I'm stepping aside. That's, yeah. I don't know how people come up with that. How do, how do you even come up with that idea? Well, the federal Other supremacists... Other than the seal fell off the podium. Yeah, well, the federal supremacists... Uh, say, well, this declaration of national emergency by Donald Trump isn't anything that George Washington didn't do, right? So they talk about how uh, they claim that this expansion of executive power began with George Washington during the Whiskey Rebellion. The problem is Congress actually authorized George Washington to quell an insurrection, which falls within both the realm of 
the, the legislative power and the executive power. So the, uh, under Article One, the Congress has the authority to quell a, an insurrection, and they have the authority to call up the forces to quell the insurrection, and once Congress calls up the forces, then the president becomes the commander-in-chief. Now, we can debate all day whether it was an insurrection or a protest or whether they were right doing that. I think George Washington would tell you, in retrospect, that he regrets what he did during the Whiskey Rebellion. He actually wrote later that he, he relented being pulled into that, into that thing. But you cannot compare a president today declaring national emergency and engaging in these executive orders with the things that George Washington did. I did a little research, Jason. Let me give you a little history. The first unilateral act of a president arose when Lincoln blockaded American ports and expanded military forces without Congress. Imagine that, right? Excuse me. Congress and the courts eventually went along, and this became the confirmation. I don't and think Jeremiah Valancourt knows where he's at. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm not paying attention to him. No, uh, just another troll. Like a, a, troll? Tr a troll that shows up. He listens for 30 seconds. He thinks he's in an anti-Trump show because he's only heard like two minutes of a show. So he, oh. and he's never been here before. Okay. Or he has some sort of mental illness. You know, I didn't give my little, my little uh, disclaimer. This show is not about Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> this show is not about Donald Trump. This show is about presidential authority it's about the constitution it's about proper exercise of power it's about separation of powers jeremiah you should try hooked on phonics before you come to the show here <laughs> the literates don't do well all right so the congress and the courts went along with lincoln lincoln and this became the confirmation and justification for a president's emergency power now, it didn't stop there. Obviously, once a power gained, when does it given up, right? When is it given up? So, Woodrow Wilson and FDR faced similar emergency power controversies and were not thwarted by Congress. In 1917, President Woodrow Wilson stated that the presidential proclamation that triggered the availability of a so-called standby laws for these declarations of emergencies. The process came to a head when after President Truman proclaimed an emergency in response to Korean hostilities, the same order was used to wage war in Vietnam 22 years later. Congress, led by Senator Church, launched an investigation. One of the numerous congressional studies in 1973 showed that the Congress had already passed over 470 statutes granting the president extraordinary powers during times of emergency. In an attempt to restrain and proceduralize the use of emergency powers, perhaps restrain the monster they allowed to grow, Congress passed the National Emergency Act in September of 1976. In light of the fact that Congress is not authorized through Congressional Act to expand delegated authority, we have to know that they fixed the problem by making the problem worse. 
So listen to this. 470 statutes by 1973 authorizing the president extraordinary powers in time of emergency. How did they think they were going to fix that? By passing a National Emergency Act. How insane is that? How insane is that? And all because we've sat a, set aside uh, what our founders intended for the Constitution, all because the American people have been deliberately dumbed down and, and, and held uh, hostage from an education so they can't possibly learn uh, what their role in government is. Hey, Red, did you hear Red Flag Chad arrested somebody violating the coronavirus after a party at an Airbnb rental led to a shooting? I saw that. Had to have my little Red Flag Chad in there. It's so, one of the businesses that were supposed to be shut down. That you, yeah. can't, you can't rent out your property to people, you know, if you have an Airbnb, hotels, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I want to I wanna say to you, please, I think that I've given you the most complete, maybe more complete of an explanation than you wanted on this whole narrative that the president uh, has, has abdicated his authority to FEMA and FEMA is now in control. Um, yeah, so please. Well, FEMA is supposed to work as a coordinating agency. I think when you hear, you hear the president speak, you hear President Trump speak and uh, and it's it's almost like he's trying to strike a balance, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're you're already dealing with an unconstitutional agency, and then he's also injecting like, well, we want the states to handle, like the tech testing, uh, you know, all of these things, the ventilators, blah blah blah. Been going back and forth with the media about this. Um, he was saying that's the state's job. It's mm -hmm. the state's job to do this. Mm -hmm. The ventilators, the testing. That's not the federal government's job. But we helped out. FEMA coordinate through FEMA and even you hear him talking as it's going along we work with the states you know we've we've got these ventilators uh, you know coming to the this central basically a central coordinated agency FEMA and and then we're giving we're making sure the states get this equipment and the test and whatnot so that the states can do do their job so President Trump has talked about FEMA as this sort of helping agency uh, subordinate to the states. Mm -hmm. Again, FEMA unconstitutional, we know the existence of it, right? Unconstitutional, that's a problem. But even in his description, in his discussion, he describes it as, as being, uh, you know, subservient to the states. Like we're right. assisting the states. We're not in charge. We're not telling the states what to do. That's not our job. So you can tell, and, and a lot of it's sort of a confused, some of the messages confused and mixed and whatever, but right. you, what you, what I glean from that is you have people in this administration who are advising him in this sort of states, state sovereignty uh, perspective, mm -hmm. and and he is, you know, they're they're trying to help him stay in that realm, given the mess that it is already. Uh, but at least when the operation, you, you can hear that language. So then the idea that then Trump puts FEMA in charge of everything or they take charge of everything and he steps aside, it's completely contrary to how he's been talking about their role mm -hmm. from the very beginning. 
So, so that whole narrative really makes no sense. Right. And why are we here? We're here because we're failing as a constitutional republic, JC. People think that voting is, their res- is how you control government. A, res- a, a constitutional republic, as we are established, is the uh, representative bodies creating law. But you have this other part of government that is the people who have to control their representatives. When the people shrink away and fail to control those they've elected every day, then you have an out-of-control, unlimited representative body. Then why are you here, atheist? Why are you here? So basically, what is wrong with these people? I, I don't know. People. I have hate more... what you're saying. I just wanted to show up. It's all crazy talk, and I think it's nutty. And so I'm here just to tell you that, and I'm going to listen to all this nutty stuff. Yeah. Like, well, what 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 kind of what kind of loser are you that you have no life to have to tune into something you think is garbage and subject yourself to it? What is the point? The, the, I mean, so here's somebody mentally deranged giving critique on what we're saying. You obviously have mental problems to sit and listen to this stuff, giving your opinion of it. So why would we accept a critique from somebody who thinks like that? <laughs> um, uh, Kevin, I just want to put out there that... Um, Trolls is dumb. <laughs> that I need a shirt that says that. Trolls, Trolls is, is dumb. dumb. We are a constitutional republic. <laughs> And in a constitutional republic, our check and balance is not picking up arms first. If we wait until the time when our, when picking up arms is our control of government, then we have devolved from being a constitutional republic to a kingdom. So I, I just, oh, well, he might learn something. Why do you remove him? He could, he could actually learn something, JC. Yeah, he's just not going to comment. Okay. Well, you 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 banned him, so <laughs> he's gone now. I might just remove a comment. Oh, okay. So anyway, um, we we cannot go around saying the Second Amendment is our control of government. Our control of government is only the Second Amendment if we are only a kingdom. We need to engage in our absolute power to control government every single day. That's why we failed. We don't contact our congressmen. We don't control our city council. We don't attend our county commission meetings. We aren't even involved in the elections of our sheriffs. We don't give a hoot what the governor does any other day of the year unless we actually um, you know, do unless he's giving us something that we want or taking something from us we don't want him to have. And so what we have to do is be more involved. I get really upset, JC, when people say to me, the Second Amendment is our control of government. Do you realize, do you realize how (laughs) many people have died so you would have more than the Second Amendment to control government? Our founders fought an entire stinking revolution. To, to free ourselves from kings forever so we would not have to, to pick up arms. Did you say Trump knows the Constitution? No. Oh, I didn't either. I don't know. Who said that? 
Are you moderating again? <laughs> no, I just, I wouldn't. I, I'm over here like seriously, righteously indignant, and you're, you're moderating. No, no, some people are not listening. They're just, yeah, well, they, they don't. Do they get in their little thing and do their own I don't, thing. But. but there's like several comments, Trump knows the Constitution. Who, who said that? I missed that comment. Yeah. Who said Trump knows the Constitution? No. Trump doesn't know the Constitution. No, no, no. But no, they're, no, unfortunately. Uh, uh, I, what and I said, people there advise, you, you can tell somebody's in there trying to give him yes. uh, advice, yes. and you hear that come out of his mouth, mm -hmm. we, which we've said from day one, uh, Trump is about who is telling him, who is feeding him advice and counsel information. That, that's what's going to come out. Right. It's all a matter right. of who are his handlers, if you will. Who are his, I don't think anybody's his handler, but who are his advisors? Where, what information is he acting upon? That's what's critical with a guy like that. You know, Milton's got a good point. Does this have anything to do with one representative for way over 30,000 people? You know why we've lost control of the federal government is because we think that our control of the federal government comes through the House of Representatives. Our control of the federal government does not come through the House of Representatives because you have one, right? If we had one representative for every 30,000 people, as the Constitution uh, suggests, do you know how many representatives there would be in the House of Representatives? A lot. Do you know that you would have even less control over the House of Representatives if that were the case? Which proves to us that our control over the federal government isn't through the House of Representatives. Our control through the, uh, for, for the federal government comes through the states, through the, through the body of the people controlling their states to control the federal government. But if you don't control your local government, everything is done. My dad used to say, if you can't keep your backyard clean, you should probably stop. You should probably stay out of your neighbor's yard. Yeah. Right? Don't be criticizing your neighbor if your own yard's a mess. What, what right do we have? What authority do we even have to be so enamored by federal politics that will run around with MAGA hats and defend the President of the United States and not even know the name of our county commissioner? Right. See, I think we need to get rid of our MAGA hats, make America great. We need to trade them in for make Florida great, make Washington great. Make Alabama great. They need some help. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a Florida joke. <laughs> I, you know, as as far as we we've got standing to for liberty and be state. left alone. I, I that'd be one place I might go. Yeah, Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> I don't know. They it's sure ain't Florida. Florida is not Florida, man. Man, Florida we're, we're governments become too crippled, uh, crippled too high for crutches. We're very Isn't that how low. They go? Very low on high rents here. I'm with Zach Frederick. I'm with that suggestion. Hey, I agree with but that. But the governor, we we discovered this today as a class. The governor of South Dakota refused to impose any COVID restrictions. Yeah. The entire state of South Dakota has avoided the COVID restrictions, and they've had less than a hundred cases of COVID. And they're not even like, everybody says, oh, well, you know, the hot states are the ones that are going to avoid COVID. Mm -hmm. South Dakota ain't hot, people. Make <laughs> Louisiana great. See, each state, yes. Yes, Thor, each state is a Republican to themselves, but they sure don't act like it these days. Make sure you have a constitutional sheriff. 
All right, before we go today, I have a PSA for you from Liberty Council. This is a PSA that was issued today by Liberty Council. Everybody ready? It's called Reopen Church Sunday. After weeks of being closed due to the coronavirus, Liberty Council is calling on the churches to open and believers to start meeting again Sunday, May 3rd, which is being called Reopen Church Sunday. May 3rd is also the beginning of the National Day of Prayer Week, which culminates on Thursday, May 7th. The website reopenchurch.org will provide information to churches. Reopen Church Sunday should include appropriate measures of sanitation and appropriate social distancing between families, not people. Churches may also consider reopening with a variety of service options, which may, uh, which may be a combination of reduced seating inside the church, parking lot services for those who cannot get to or do not want to participate inside, and online services for those who are unable to attend or are high risk. So... You have church. Open your church. May 3rd. Reopenchurch.org. May 3rd. Hebrews. Oh, this is great. Can I just go ahead and read this, JC? Do you mind? Go ahead. All right. Uh, Trump administration guidelines for opening up America again outline three phases for states to gradually ease their lockdowns. Phase one sets the target date of May 1st to systematically reopen the nation. But some states may able to re may be able to reopen earlier. Phase one includes churches. Do you hear this? If you're waiting for Donald Trump's permission, phase one includes churches. The Greek word for I'm the not. church is ekklesia, which means assembly. The word synagogue is also derived from the Greek word synagogue, which means an assembly of people or a place of meeting. Hebrews 10:25 10, 1025 10, to 10:25 says, "Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near." Matt Staver says, "The lockdowns have closed churches at a great at the time of greatest need, and they must reopen to meet the burgeoning needs of the community." Churches are now more essential than ever to bring comfort, hope, and help to the people they serve. Each church is different, and each one must assess when and how to best reopen. So there you go. Thank you, David Barton, for your super chat. So we really, really appreciate you and your support. Yeah, somehow David's, like, blocked from regular comments. I know. I don't know why I mean, that works. he's one of, like, the first and most faithful followers yeah. in this chat room. Now, yeah. they, somebody got him on block. What's up with that, man? All right. So remember. You know, we need, I'm going to say this again, what I said, you know, back in the Tea Party rage. Uh, we need a revival of courage. We're, I think we're yeah. still at that place where that more than we need a revival of constitutionalism, we need a revival of courage. Mm -hmm. I, I think we're still there, you know. Um uh, it's like we we need a we need a attitude of you're gonna have to take me to jail. That's the biggest thing. I think people are afraid. What you know, like I say, just start your business. Just open your business. Just yeah. open your business. What are they just gonna do? Well, they're gonna business. arrest me. Okay, somebody somebody at some point is gonna have to have the attitude of you're just gonna have to arrest me. Right. You're just gonna have to take me to jail. If, right. if, if people are not willing. 
to stick their neck out for anything anymore. Right. It's crazy. Just such, we looked at. Life, fortune, and sacred <sighs> honor. Life, fortune, and sacred honor. I mean, if we realize, and, and I just want to say this, twice as many people died on prison ships during our battle for independence because they stood for their rights than died in the war itself. So the battle, the, the greatest battle was waged by those who said, we will not comply. You had twice as many people arrested for we will not comply, dying in prison ships under the hand of Great Britain than dying by the sword. Yeah, man. They've been targeting people. Looks like they're trying to shadow ban listeners now instead of shows. Mm-hmm. But you, you mentioned something that like that to somebody today when you, you were, I just kind of overheard some sort of chat you were in on mm -hmm. Facebook or somewhere and the people kind of knew who, who the folks were in the chat. Like they're already, you know, this is somebody from the river and whatever. So, so they like, they track and target people right. just listening to the shows rather right. not, not even just the actual broadcasters themselves. Right. No, the people are trolling and the people are looking, but we need a revival of courage. That's what that's what Samuel Adams said. No people will tamely surrender their liberties when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. Virtue is another word for courage. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure. Now I'm gonna maybe we need that t shirt. You're just gonna have to arrest me, bro. <laughs> right next to the one where I buried the bodies is none of your business. Yeah, just going to have to take me to jail, bro. Don't forget, hey, you guys, I want to thank you all for your anchor support. We have had such a resurgence. Uh, insert, well, I don't know what to say. We've had a lot of people supporting us through uh, Impact 2020 to 33777. And I just want to say thank you. Every, every help counts. We are working night and day, and we don't get paychecks for what we do. So we are eternally grateful for the love that you have for liberty in supporting us. Remember, our founders gave life, fortune, and sacred honor. We also have libertyfirstuniversity.com, where you can become a member. You can become a member and learn the Constitution uh, with your whole family. And... Don't forget that we have our um, online uh, webinars happening at the Leadership Institute now. You can go online and get our class. Now, this was the one that I held today, the History of the Constitution. We had over 700 people in that webinar. That's amazing, isn't it, JC? 700 people learning the History of the Constitution. Next Tuesday... Next Tuesday, same time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be studying the right to keep and bear arms. So the right to keep and bear arms will be our topic. <laughs> and, um, yeah, isn't that great? I'm, I'm so, so angry. I'm so angry I made a sign. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. So go to, I'll put this, I'll put this link in our, our YouTube chat room right now. But go to Twitter, go to, uh, go to LinkedIn, go to YouTube, and get registered for next week's class uh, on the right to keep and bear arms. Share it, okay? Share it. Get as many people there as possible. We want to blow out the doors at, Liber at Leadership Institute. We want to show them what Liberty First Patriots look like. 
Sound great? Oops, I'm on the wrong thing there. There you go. <laughs> I always do that, JC. You always, you. <laughs> I wasn't watching. <laughs> I was watching that part. this. I wasn't watching that part. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm on Frank this. I'm on Frank tomorrow. So we'll be able to see you guys on Frank tomorrow. Don't forget, at 7.20 tomorrow, I will be on Quite Frankly YouTube. I know you guys are all Frankly fans, so we'll see you there as well. God bless. See you next time.